Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. With attitude, bitch. Welcome to the reaction, a presentation of the Chairshot Radio Network. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. And the Atlanta Braves have just gone up one game to none in the NLCS. Okay. In all sincerity, welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host. My name is Harry. I'm no longer distracted now that the game is over. This is the reaction, as I said, a presentation of the Chairshot Radio Network. Joining me, as per usual, the Downsons Day One co-host and Los Angelino, kind of, well, suburban, Tony Acero. What up? 
All right. So, are you a uh, are you a baseball guy at all, Tony? <clears throat> Only when it makes my bar money, and right now it is. Because the Dodgers are in the NLCS. Right. Well, sucks for them. They just lost game one. <laughs> right. Oh, just a programming note. If Atlanta makes the World Series, yeah, I ain't doing the show. <laughs> Good enough. Just throwing it out there. All right. And once again, returning back with us, the co-hostess with the most is Miss Liz Puglisi. Hello. All right, so before we get started on the discussion of the DAD, I should tell you that I read your report, Tony. Um, oh, good. I'm about to ruin your evening if you haven't already heard. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'll be fine. Eva Marie is back with the WWE. Yeah, I've heard. Okay. I was, wasn't was sure if you had or not. I wanted to be the one to discuss it with you just because I know your opinions on it. Does this make Luana no longer the most useless woman on the roster to you? Uh, time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, maybe. All right, Liz. So, obviously, we've spoken on the show about our general disdain for the Lana character. From what you remember, what, what's your take on Eva Marie? No comment. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to get catty up in here. Now I have to know the answer. Sounds like she loves her. I think I probably feel about her the way most people do. I'm I don't think she's that entertaining either on the mic or in the ring. I mean, maybe she's, you know, improved. God bless her for getting another shot, but I have no interest in her whatsoever. Who is that? That was yeah, you know, I just can't. in the background. Yep. Yeah. Probably doesn't like even <laughs> Marie either. No, not at all. Okay, yeah. so here's the, the problem. Thing, Donnie. The, the, the problem is the, the problem, Harry, is is that we saw her her attempt at at trying to be better, and she was trained by D. Brian Kendrick, and we saw all the film with her going for it, and then we just you know either the higher ups or her or us or a collection of everyone realized she's just not capable of doing it, and this goes to people who have certain skills and people who don't. If there was ever any proof that you needed that not everybody could wrestle. Eva Marie would be one of those people. She simply doesn't have it, whatever it may be. Um, And you could apply this to anything. You could apply this to acting. Some people just can't act. They just don't have the knack for it. You could take classes. You could be, you know, an understudy. You could take theater. You could do whatever, and it just won't work. And we saw this with her. So, So much, in fact, that they tried to make that a part of her character, as if it was supposed to mask the reality that she just wasn't that good. But you can't mask that when you're working with another person. You're going to end up hurting them or just looking bad. I don't know. I never had any interest in it. I definitely don't have interest in her coming back. And the only thing I can positively say about Lana is at least she's trying. (laughs) All right. I'm actually going to take kind of a different route here because I actually enjoyed the run that even Marie had with Bailey. I thought that it was a worth. I thought it was a worthwhile usage of her. Is she the best wrestler in the locker room? Obviously not. Is she a good wrestler? Probably not either. 
but she draws heat. And I think that's something that's desperately missing from modern wrestling is a character that's an active heat getter, you know? Like, people want to be so quick to root for certain people, root against certain people here. This is one of those situations where, by and large, the entire country hated her. And they used that to their advantage. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't see it that way. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the term X-Pac heat. But, you know, sometimes it fits, and I think this is one of those times. She just wasn't – they weren't booing her because they thought she was a bad person. They were booing her because she was trying to do something that they didn't want to see, myself included. Like, I'm not interested in this match. I don't want to see anybody beat her because I don't want to see her wrestle at all. Like, at all. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt about the main event for and night. <laughs> yeah. Like – I, I have nothing against the women, giving the women the opportunity to main event a show. We've spoken out before about the fact that we do feel like there should be more opportunities for the women on television in the WWE. But battle royals traditionally are never good. And when you already have a ready-made challenger that you had con- confront Oscar the week prior with Peyton Royce, why go to a battle royal to set up the next challenger? Regardless, we'll talk SmackDown here, and we'll talk Raw here in a few moments. We're going to start with SmackDown like we usually do. Um, overall, Tony, because I don't want to go too far into the draft experience, just because I know your opinion of it here. I know you don't like the reshuffling that they're doing with this draft. Overall, what one person that's switching brands do you think has the best chance of making an impact on their new on their new show? Well, I want to clarify first that I think the draft is a great idea. I think it adds intrigue, it adds drama, it gives a fresh take on stuff that you may not have seen or that you may have it's been a while since you've seen it. I think that the draft is awesome. I think the WWE sucks at it. These moves mean nothing. They mean absolute shit. There's nobody, I can't answer your question because there's not a pick that I can make that is going to matter. Literally, they said Jeff Hardy is going to Raw, and then they booked him for a match this coming Friday. The, the, the draft doesn't matter. It's an illusion for a pop. It's an illusion for a rating. And I'm not going to fall into their trap by giving you a, a pick of who's going to, you know, just change the world with that, you know, with their move to a different show. It's literally in the same fucking building. Like, there's no, there's nothing that they could have done for this draft to make me feel okay with it because I had zero faith in them, and they fit that to a T. To the point where the draft was mostly people staying on the same show. This is full of picks and vinegar tonight, aren't you? The the draft, the idea of the draft is just. It, I knew I didn't know it was going to be this bad, and I'm sad to say that it was worse than I expected. What is your overall draft thoughts? It, for the most part, I, I agree with Tony. I think it had some moments, but, I mean, the biggest thing was, I think if they're going to do a draft, they have to say, okay, everybody's up for grabs and just do a complete reshuffle. I mean, it definitely does suffer that it's no longer on the road and that, you know, it's in the same place, like Tony said. But I had so many issues with this draft, just the way they did it. Um, like, 
the new day, which I guess we'll get to later, the new day one, then they were split up, you know, via the draft. I mean, wh- whatever. There's just, like, and then the same thing tonight. Ziggler and Rude were drafted to SmackDown. So, like, you really didn't think they were going to win. I think they dropped the ball on a lot of things they could have done so much better that wouldn't have made it as awful as it was. I mean, my biggest issue, though, with it is, like, some of these feuds could have ended. Seth and the Mysterios, definitely. AJ and, and Jeff, you know, whatever. But you just drafted the feud along with it. And I think that's what helped really um, kill it. But And I think a lot of people on social media are putting too much um, onto in what order they announced it. You know, it's not like the NFL draft, but like, you know, it's the number one draft pick or whatever. Because they're like, oh, my God, Titus was drafted before Alistair. And, like, why was I love Titus? My mother loves Titus. But, like, really? Like, why was Titus even drafted? He should have been, like, one of those ones you find out, no offense to Titus, in, like, a couple of days, like, randomly or something. It had no rhyme or reason, really, whatsoever. Except it separated, you know, two sets of people who supposedly have heat together. The draft was like a kid with a toy box full of action figures just deciding to divide them in half and make their own little civil war. There's nothing. There's so there's no thought behind it. So and yeah, the only reason why people are mad at the order is, is realistically because the WWE makes it a big deal when they want to make it a big deal. Charlotte, the number one draft pick. Okay, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't. Okay, sure. Tony just pissed me off, and Liz knows why. About the I, toy box. Yes, I will have Tony know that my action figure draft went a lot smoother than this one did. Thank you very much, sir. I I have so much faith in that being true. <laughs> I mean, Liz has read a couple of my shows. I don't really post them anywhere, but I send them to people if they're interested. That's good. So good. But, um, all right, so let's talk SmackDown now. We'll... By and large, ignore the draft elements of it. I mean, we kind of have to touch on it where it's relevant here. The first thing that I want to discuss about SmackDown is something that I really wish we didn't have to discuss at all. Tony, I am not an advocate for people getting fired by and large, but can you explain to me why Lars Sullivan still has a fucking job? I don't know. He probably has, like, Vince nudes or something. I would 100% believe that to be true. The freak Lars Sullivan returned on SmackDown, taking out Jeff Hardy, Matt Riddle, and there was someone else that he attacked, and I don't remember who it was. I think it might have been. I think it might have been Morrison. Tony, I what the fuck, man? Did we lose Tony? No, I'm right here. What the fuck, man? Why? why? Like, why? <laughs> um, well, you know, okay, so let's let's divide for a second the the Instagram post and the, the overall weirdness of the person that plays Lars Sullivan. Let's get rid of that for because I don't want anyone to think that. That matters, by the way, but I don't want anyone to think that my remarks following this have anything to do with the disdain for the human being that, you know, portrays him. Um, 
I've never been a fan of big guys that randomly come in and squash people. You know that. It, it, it's something that I've disliked for years. But right back, so theory. this is no different. Yeah, this is no different. This, this, in fact, this is kind of annoying because he didn't just squash some jobbers. We've been following these superstars for a while now, and some people, um, like namely Jeff Hardy, you assume as uh, on their path to greatness. Riddle, relatively new person who's been getting wins left and right and made to look like a superstar. And then because you want this guy to come off as menacing and, you know, just crazy, you have him squash these people, not even in a match, just destroy them like they're nothing. You know, it just, this is no different than Braun. So why would we care about this guy? We don't even care about Braun. That's one of the many things wrong with this particular character. Two, performance anxiety. If you believe what you read, the dude's not stable. As an employer, I can't trust him, you know? And then finally, of course, you get the background information of what he tends to do on his free time, which I can't judge, you know? I'm a heavily flirtatious guy, and I happen to live a interesting lifestyle that's very sexually open. So I can't really knock the guy because it's not my place. But there's going to be a lot of judgment going on. And I feel like it's going to be brushed under the rug if, if what we've seen over the past week or so is, um, you know, going to continue. Okay. Here's my thing with the whole Instagram thing there. Do I have an issue with the dude trying to creep into a girl's DMs and, and hit on her? No, I don't. Because guys everywhere do it whether they want to admit it or not. But when she says no, knock it the fuck off. Liz, I don't know. If, I don't think you were on the show when Sullivan was around originally. I don't believe you were. You may have been um, gone, but by the time that you joined us here, what were your overall thoughts on Lars Sullivan the character, and then Lars Sullivan the person? So, um, Lars Sullivan the character, I kind of lean towards what Tony said. I said it in a different in a chat that I'm in. Um, like I'm kind of over the monsters because I've said actually no I've said this on the show um, at some point I'm over um, in turn in regards to Braun um, I am so over these big guys coming in and tossing everybody and anybody around flipping over ambulances and you know that whole that whole type of thing because it rarely then translates over into the ring. Um, Braun, I think, could have a lot more going on, but I think they screwed up his character a long time ago. And it's the same thing um, with Lars. He came out the same way when he was first around, too. He comes out, he's supposed to be menacing, he beats everybody up, and then, blah, there's there's nothing nothing behind it. He's just a big guy tossing around people. Um, So I don't know. It's just more the same old, same old, that they do with any big guy that they get. I don't think they're the only company that are guilty of it. I think it's just something that they they tend to do. Um, as to him, the person, I don't really didn't really read about the whole new DM thing, um, so I, can I can't really comment on that. I saw the links and I ignored them. Um, I haven't really been in the mood, you know, to read them. So I've heard seen a lot of okay. feedback on them. It's like you know, who knows? We don't really. <clears throat> Excuse me. We don't really know the whole story. We know what's been edited. We know what's been seen. I'm gonna give the guy the benefit um, of the doubt 
I know there was other stuff that came out about him. I'm not about to judge somebody's life. I don't think you should harass anybody. I don't think you should try to, you know, force a person or anything like that. Um, some other aspects and stuff that came out that he did, I don't really have an issue with it. People do what they got to do to make a living. Um, and, you know, yeah, women's um, anxiety, that's, a, that's another thing. Um, I, I don't know. I, had, I haven't really paid too much attention to, you know, ship. There's a lot of people, though, that have had all these allegations about this, that, and the other thing um, that they've done. And, it depend, you know, honestly, it's kind of bullshit because it depends on the person. There's a couple of guys in AEW, there's a couple of guys wherever, and some of it's been like, oh, my God, blah, 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 and other ones like, oh, well, you know, it's all a misunderstanding. So it depends on the guy, you know, too. And I don't know enough about the situation to really comment and, and condemn him. So, All right. I want to state for the record that my disdain for Lars Sullivan, the character, and the person who portrays him, has absolutely nothing to do with the gay porn thing. Let's just throw that out there because we kind of beat around the bush on it there. Yes, he did gay porn when he was younger. I have no, I have no judgment here for that. If, if that's what you were into, if that's what you wanted to do to make some extra money, do you? The racist tweets and you have are problematic. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. The racist tweets sure. in the past are problematic, but but I would like to think that people get, uh, I would like to think that people have the opportunity to grow. Tony raises a valuable point as an employer in terms of the performance anxiety thing, but as somebody who suffers from an anxiety-related disability myself, I can sympathize from where he's coming from from that regard. That being said, it's the combined package of everything with Sullivan, the, the history with porn that he didn't disclose, the recent tweets from his past, the anxiety issues that have taken him out of a main event program with John, that took him out of a main event program with John Cena, and now the newest thing was him being, let's be honest, kind of a creep on Instagram. It's all strikes against him. Let me just say two things. One, from an HR perspective, if you're an employee and you have anxiety and your company says, okay, you've got to go do X, Y, Z and be able to prove it, that's usually what's done. We don't know that that's not been done. We don't know that he's not in therapy. We don't know that he hasn't been evaluated or proven himself to him. And actually, we don't need to know that. That's his private business. And he doesn't have to disclose that he did any type of gay porn or this or the other thing to us. He has to disclose it to them. He doesn't have to disclose it to us. You know what I mean? He didn't disclose it to them, though. That's a problem. Okay, that I didn't realize. (laughs) That I'm just saying. Then that's a whole story. But apparently, you know... No, I agree. About it's not a bar business. But, but you know what? I'm sorry. As somebody for who, no, just say this. As somebody who works in HR, you know how much shit people don't disclose? And then it comes down to the And Let me tell you, there's a lot worse than gay porn out there that people don't disclose. And it comes down of to course. what the company's going to, it's going to come down to what the company thinks. If you can explain it, you listen, I know doctors who stripped to put themselves to medical school. I know people who've done all sorts of things. To, to make money, and if you disclose, don't disclose it to your company. Your company has two things to do: they can fire you outright, or they sit you down and discuss it, and then they make a decision. It's not the end of the world. If they're okay, you know, with, with, it's wrestling. The stuff these people did back in the day, there's no way they can hold that against him. The rest of the stuff is a completely different topic. 
I mean, it's not really that far from gay porn, so I feel like he's in the same wheelhouse. Yeah, exactly. No, I just want to be clear. I, my my biggest gripe with Lars um, is is the same thing with WWE that I've always disliked. There's there's nothing here. There's no weight. There's no character. I'm not. I don't expect some big dude to come out and give a soliloquy as to why he is the way he is. You know, him and his monster ways. Um, but we've seen this before, and I don't think anybody's interested. I think that most of the audience, whether you're a child or a casual fan or a long-term fan has changed their expectations as an audience member of of t- TV viewing. They want something just a little bit smarter from their weekly episodic television shows. And we've talked about that many times before. And this falls in line with a character that just has no layers. Why is he angry? Why is he mad? Why is he a freak? Why is he so upset? <laughs> does, he, does he hate, you know, people with, like, you know, monosyllabic first name? Like, I don't know. Even that would be more than what, what they're giving us right now. Does he just really dislike Jeff and Johns of the world? Matt? I don't know. All right, we're going to move on because there are a couple other small things for SmackDown that I do want to discuss, and we're already running it 20 minutes in, so we'll move on from this, but I do feel like this is a conversation that we're going to come back to with regards to Sullivan just because it looks like he's sticking around for a while. Again this time. All right, um... Liz, your opening contest was a street fight, or excuse me, not a street fight, was False Town Anywhere between Big E and Sheamus kind of blowing off their little mini feud that they had now that we know that Sheamus is going over to Monday Night Raw, whereas he is staying on SmackDown. Overall, what did you think of the match? I actually enjoyed it. I think they did a pretty good, I think it was a good opener. I kind of got people hyped, even if you're like, oh my God, this nonsense again. You know, I can't really say much. I enjoyed it. I I think they both did a pretty good job with it. Um, it was a nice way to finish it off. Tony, I know you talked about not having this kind of match after what we saw between um, the best friends and the former LAX on, on Dynamite. But I thought that outside of one particular spot in this match, which I hated, I thought outside of that, they actually had a really good hard-hitting contest. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. Um, as long as you don't compare the two shows, which I, I remember I tell, I, I remember telling you, I'm doing my best not to do that. Um, it was good for SmackDown. It had the right amount of energy in it. The right person won. Big E did his part. Sheamus also did his part. Um, one could question why catering has eggs and flour uh, sitting. Thank you. There for no reason, but um, <laughs> but other than that. It was a fun little match that had the right stuff. Kofi coming back to celebrate, Woods coming back to celebrate. And also very important that I don't want to be overlooked was Big E's facial expressions after the match, during the um, interview with uh, Woods, also during the announcement with New Day leaving, which is stupid because he is the New Day, so how could you draft them two but not Big E? Um, I really enjoyed Big E's work on SmackDown, like a lot. Somebody was really afraid that they were going to have Big E turn on Friday night. I remember having that yeah, conversation. Yeah, they also thought he would turn tonight. Oh, someone specific. Okay. Are you glad that they didn't pull the trigger, Liz? Sorry, I pulled the trigger on what? On turning Big E heel on SmackDown. 
Oh, God, yes. I didn't make it abundantly clear in our chat. Um, I think it would have That's been... That's why I'm bringing it to the people. I know. I think it would. I think that was so, and I said it before, I think that was so ridiculously dumb. Um, I think if they were going to split them up, they should have waited to war. It's just my opinion. Whatever. I don't need you guys to agree with me. Um, I think this is what I said a little, just a few minutes ago about where they really dropped the ball even more with the draft is they had these moments and that like this and like with Ziggler and Rude and a couple other times it's like New Day, Xavier and Kofi come back, especially Xavier who's been out like what seems like forever. So I was I'm a huge Xavier fan, so super happy he come back came back. They win, which actually I wasn't thrilled that they that they won because you know Cesaro and Nakamura, but Cesaro. Um, and then like the announcement stuff is like, oh yeah, you just split up. It was so stupid. Um, but I don't think anybody would have ever believed that um, Biggie pulled a, you know, Seth or whoever, you know, and, and turned on his um, on his teammates because of how much presence they have on social media. It just, and then they would have had a kept. It would have looked stupid if they moved. He hit them and they moved them over there. It would have been idiotic. Um, so especially with their podcast, especially with how much they're all on up, up, down, down, and up each other's asses on social media, I don't think they could have turned him heel against them. Can they turn him heel against other people? Sure, have at it. But against Xavier and Kofi, never would have worked. I wouldn't be surprised to see them eventually reunited, though, and I think that that's going to build up to that eventually one day where there's going to end up a fight being picked with Xavier and Kofi, and they're going to be outnumbered, and it's going to be a situation where Biggie ends up being acquired by Raw in some form or fashion and comes to the rescue for the guys. <clears throat> that's cute, Harry. Xavier? She's going to show up in SmackDown in less than a month for no reason. Xavier was out for the better part of a year plus with the torn Achilles tendon, Tony. How did you think his return match in the tag team title match won? Um, similar to uh, Liz, I don't think that they should have taken the titles from Cesaro and Nakamura, especially since it seems like there's no plans for Cesaro and Nakamura at all. Uh, so that kind of bothered me. Aside from that, not only did he do really, really well, but he looked like he was having the most fun ever in his life. And that's just always a joy to watch as a fan. Same way tonight in the tag match that they had with Ziggler and Root as well. Like, you could see the smile on his face while he was in the ring. And even Tom yeah, Ellis talked about it on commentary that that wasn't a smile in character smile. That was a smile because he was happy to be back in the ring smile. Yep. I felt that. Main event, Tony, was The Fiend versus Kevin Owens in what was advertised as The Fiend's first match on television. Ignoring the fact that Wyatt came over to Raw tonight, because I'm sure we'll talk more about Wyatt on Monday nights in the future here. How do you think the Wyatt-Owens match went? Was it what you expected it to be? Do you think that they were capable of more? Do you think they were capable of more if they had more time to tell the story between the two of them? And is it a match you'd like to see them run back in the future? Um, I, I think that match-wise, they've really messed up with The Fiend. And um, the match against Owens was kind of, you know, more of the same. 
we've seen this guy take a sledgehammer to the head and be piled up on stuff. He was the first DQ of a hell in a cell, so nothing could hurt him. And, you know, that because of that, you've, you're being forced and pigeonholed into make matches like we saw, where Kevin Owens could super kick him three times and it's not going to matter. And it's just mostly gimmick, and it sucks. It, it, it seems like they didn't, they don't have the same balance that they used to with, like, The Undertaker, who, although was a zombie that, like, no-sold a lot of moves, had matches with chemistry and with storytelling when it mattered. I mean, I will give you, I will give you this. The first year or so of Taker's career, it was all squash matches. Nobody could hurt him and blah, blah, blah. But the character evolved, and you realize he can actually wrestle. You don't really get to see that with The Fiend because all we get is gimmick matches. So... Kevin Owens, I think, got most rest, the most wrestling out of him in a long time, which is good. But, nah, I'm not I'm not really interested in it. Kevin Owens can make anything work, but this one, I just, I didn't really, there's no reason for him to really care why Alexa is doing what she's doing. So that didn't work for me. And then comparing Black to uh, The Fiend seemed really forced, almost like he was trying to make the connection, not that it was naturally there. So, no, I'm not really interested in the feud. And then, you know, everybody's idea that people change after their feud with the theme. All we got tonight was Kevin Owens wearing jeans. Please, same questions. What did you think of the match? Were you surprised that they, were you surprised that they had the match that they had? And is it a feud that you would see, be interested in seeing them revisit down the road? Um, was I surprised they had the match that they had? No, because nothing really surprises me with this this company anymore. Um, it just the stuff just happens and and you roll with it. I I don't know. I I'm kind of tired of all the current storylines, so I think I'd like to see this one and all of them just go away and we get new ones. I can't say that there's one storyline, including this one, that I am completely invested in at all. Very well. Overall show rating for SmackDown, Tony? Um, I don't remember what I gave it. I want to say it fits in, like, the seven range. Um <clears throat> You didn't give it anything because... Oh, I didn't do it anymore. No wonder I don't remember. Okay. Um, Yeah, I don't do SmackDown anymore, guys. (laughs) The bar is about to open up, and I'm really getting ready for that. Um, So let me think. Well, Sasha was there. So that's good. Sasha No, I'm going to go with six. I think think the, the draft really dragged it down, and there wasn't a lot of wrestling that was, like, memorable. Yeah, I remember now. Okay, yeah. Six is fine. We didn't really discuss it. We didn't really discuss it because of the fact that it went to a disqualification in like four minutes. But yeah, Bailey versus Sasha for the SmackDown Women's Title was there is basically an angle continue where in order to get them to hell in a cell. Liz, what did you think of SmackDown overall show rating? Uh, excuse me. I don't think I can go much higher than a a six either because I do vividly remember thinking I am only watching this because Harry's going to ask me questions about it. I think the draft was, well, we already said it, you know, mishandled. I don't think there was much that was very interesting on it at all that really held my attention. 
See, I'm going to disagree with you guys. I was actually entertained by this episode. And the reason I was entertained by this episode is because I thought that there was a lot of good in-ring content here. I really enjoyed the I really enjoyed the Fiend and Nolan's match. I do think that there's potential for more between these two. Although I don't love the Fiend character like most people do. A lot of people do. I preferred him as Backwoods Bray Wyatt just because I feel like there was way more potential than they ever utilized with that gimmick. And the constant no-selling gets annoying after a while, if we're being frank, like Tony said. But I thought the match itself was pretty good for what it was. I really enjoyed the street fight outside of the eggs and flour part of that, because that was just dumb. Why are you working a comedy spot in what's supposed to be a... Or false cut anywhere, not a street fight, sorry. Why are you working a comedy spot in what's supposed to be a blood feud? It makes no sense. And then overall, as far as the trap goes, the draft didn't annoy me as much as it annoyed everybody else, apparently, just because the segments were relatively brief with her just coming out and announcing the picks. So, at least it wasn't a case of the draft overtaking the entire show. We still got a good amount of in-ring content. And the tag title match was really good, even if we don't necessarily agree with the finish. I'm going to go with a seven. And I might even push it up towards a seven and a half. Let's move to tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw. And apparently, Bray Wyatt's first feud on Raw is going to be Angel Garza. I mean, I'm glad he's not injured, I guess, Liz. Okay, so I missed the whole, I'm not going to lie, I missed the whole Bray segment. not going to lie. I'm old. I dozed off for a few minutes. I'm bummed that I missed it because I saw the end with Alexa and Andrade and Selena. I don't necessarily think this is going to be his next feud. I think he's probably going to have multiple things going on. Maybe it's a hope. Um, And not knocking Gaza, because I love Gaza. Um, That's a whole other podcast. And um, I don't think he's going to be the main feud. I think that would be odd and make absolutely no sense. Um, so I think he'll be one of the players, but I think there'll be somebody else once they get things sorted out. But I'm very glad that he's not so horribly injured. <clears throat> Tony, how do you think they did for Wyatt's return to Raw tonight? Um, well, make no mistake. This isn't Wyatt's next feud. This is Alexa Bliss's next feud. Um, I, I guess I, <laughs> I don't, I don't feel one way or another. I'm not all that interested in the uh, Wyatt character. I kind of hope he moves away from. I don't think I don't think he needs a new start. I don't think he needs a fresh start. I think he just needs a little bit more than what we've been given. If you just give us a little more, and I I know he's we've got Alexa, but like why is that connection working? What role does she play? Is she more like Festus, where a foot switches and she's somebody else, or has she fully ingrained herself in the theme character? And if so. Where are those changes? Why is she still coming out with, you know, pink and blue hair? Where, what happened to her little single dreadlock? Like, where's the full transformation? Um, I don't even see a gradual one anymore. It just kind of stopped, and now she's just doing Sister Abigail's with him. But why does that work? You know, I, I don't need a whole show that gives us exposition, but something is missing there, and it's causing a disconnect with me. So I'm losing interest in the story that's being presented because it's not a good story anymore. Now that we've gotten over that intrigue, what makes this better? What makes her Harley Quinn? 
Why did Harley Quinn fall in love with the Joker? There are books. There are reams of paper written about it. And now we got just an episode or two. Yeah, something definitely there needs was to be a really good show um, on Thursday. Oh, sorry. I, I, I apologize. I thought you were done. Go ahead. Very good. Pretty much. No, just saying something really needs to be done to give this a bit more intrigue before we lose interest all over again. There was also a really good Harley Quinn show on DC Universe, too. Yeah, amazing animated series. Awesome. Good stuff. Hilarious. Kaylee Cuoco. Mm, uh, yummy. I was just I was just about to say, Kaylee freaking killed it as Harley. <clears throat> yep. But obviously the star of the show was Ron Funches. <laughs> Dude was hilarious as King Shark. All right, moving on. Um... Our opening contest was yet another in the... So you know how I call, kept calling the match on SmackDown a street fight? Well, that's because the match tonight was more of a street fight. No disqualification, no countout, as Kevin Owens took on Aleister Black. Tony, you have one particular moment from this match that you loved, and I want you to expand upon it, because I think that there's an opportunity where we give Kevin Dunn a ton of shit, and most of it deserved but there was one particular moment in this match that you'd really appreciate it from a fan perspective. Well, yeah, it was definitely from a perspective. Um, the, there's a, a, more, a part in the match where hey. Kevin Owens lays out seat, you know, seated next to each other, um, facing each other, goes up to the top rope, um, gets knocked down, and Aleister Black flies off of the corner with the knees slamming Owens into all of the chairs, um, which would have been cool any, any way you looked at it. But the cameraman had such an angle where basically it was down, looking upward towards Alistair Black, flying in the air, knees coming at you, crashing into Kevin Owens. And it just, cinematically, it looked amazing. And major props to the positioning. I'm not going to give props to Dunn for pushing the right button at the right time. Um, but the way, <laughs> the angle in which that match, that moved, um, and that goes along with the rest of the match. That just, I mean, it was stellar. It was really good. They beat each other. I will give Kevin Owens most of the credit because he took most of the beatings. He took a lot of the hard bumps. I think, I just, I say it every week. I think he just goes out there and says, all right, I'll make it work. I kind of expected this to be the blow off. I think separating them in the draft would have been the way to go just to let them move on to other things because this felt like a blow off kind of match. And now that they're both on SmackDown now going forth, they're probably going to keep pressing this button again until we get tired of it. I'm personally not tired of it yet, but I did appreciate the fact that they got the time and the opportunity to have the kind of match that they had tonight on Raw. Liz, what did you think of the Kevin Owens-Alistair Black match? Um, probably my favorite match of the night. I thought they did um, an excellent job. The two of them definitely can... Um, Oh, sorry. Um, tell the uh, tell a story. I thought they both pretty much brought it and did some really great some really great work on both parts um, tonight. It really was like the only decent match of the night. But it is one of those storylines, like you said, where I thought that okay, with the draft it can be parted and maybe revisited a little bit down the road someday. But I guess. Roar is just becoming SmackDown, and SmackDown is just becoming Roar. 
other matches that I wanted to discuss is, well, we kind of teased it earlier with the main event. We might as well get into this here. It was a multi-brand battle royal because I have a draft if anybody's eligible. But it was a multi-brand battle royal to determine Oscar's next challenger, probably at Hell in a Cell, although I think I heard Phillips announced that they were going to get the start next Monday on the season premiere, air quotes on an audio podcast. Um, Liz, you mentioned the fact before that you think Lana has more to contribute to the company than what we've seen thus far. Do you think I next did. Monday is a do you think next Monday is a proving ground for her when she has the match with Oscar? I think it needs to be. I mean I think she's gonna get her ass kicked. Um and I, she should. I don't I don't think she should win. I definitely don't think she could win. I mean I would have been it was I, yeah. Of course, you forgot she was out there, um, and that's kind of classic. They do that all the time as well. As bad as Lana is in the ring, um, I much prefer this ending than the room with Eva Marie returning out of nowhere and winning it. That would have been way worse in in my book um, because she's coming out of nowhere, and she definitely doesn't deserve a title shot. Does Lana deserve a title shot? No, but I think, and I'm hoping that she does has a chance to show that maybe she's improving or maybe she's trying to improve. I mean, Natty's probably going to interfere, and I just sent you something that on Raw Talk, Lana was drafted to Raw and Natty was drafted to SmackDown. So it's another one of their weird things that, that they're doing. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. What that means for Lana after this match, who knows? Maybe she'll become Oscar's mouthpiece. I can totally get behind that. Um, I think if she has some type of on-screen future with them, it definitely should be some type of um, managerial position. As my great and listen, as great as Charlie and all them are, I'd rather they get rid of half of those. Well, not Charlie, but all the other random people whose names I don't know, and just let Lana interview them back <laughs> backstage. I think she'd be more entertaining than some of them because most of them are as dull as dirt. I do think that that she has some way to contribute to the company, be it on screen or not. I definitely do not think that her when she loses to Oscar it's gonna be like, Okay, she's gone, blah blah blah. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I really doubt that they're gonna let her go anytime soon. I think they'll find something for her to do. Tony, I'm going to come at you from a different angle about this match because it's something that we've discussed in the past before Liz came back, and it pissed me off then, and it kind of pissed me off now. Do you remember the Natalia-Mickey James match from a couple of months ago where Seth Rollins came down to the ring and came over to the announce oh, yeah, table yeah. and started yelling at the announcers while there was a fucking match happening and we stopped caring about the match that was happening because Seth Rollins was more important. Yeah, yeah, I recall that. Yeah, well, it happened again tonight. Yep. As to show you how little they cared about this battle royal, instead we cut to Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton fighting backstage. Look, I'm all for Drew and Randy fighting. They're building towards a Hell in a Cell match. Orton's looking for revenge from all the legends whooping his ass at Clash of Champions. McIntyre's looking to make a statement after Orton attacked the legends on Raw. I get it. I understand. They got beef. They need to settle it. 
during the match is not the time they need to be settling it. And I get the whole unpredictability element of it by saying that these fights can break out at any time. They're brawling around the backstage area. Let's get a camera vector, which was a staple of the Attitude Era. Well, it's fucking disrespectful to the performers in the ring that you're taking away from their in-ring time. Tony? Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. Um, I, I, too, understand the idea that anything can happen, and you've got to be able to believe that. But we haven't believed that in years. So it also hasn't been a staple of their programming. They don't even say it anymore, you know, where Raw, where anything can happen, or blah, blah, blah. So it just comes off as just really short-sighted. You know, you want to believe that they don't actively do this. Um, so all, all you could say is that it's just them, you know, not thinking about their product as a whole and only as a, move, uh, a, a collection of moving parts. And I didn't like this moving part. It wasn't a big deal. It was just kind of rude. Now, one could say you and I don't really respect the match as a whole anyway since we didn't like it, but that doesn't give you as the creator and innovator of this product the right to just kind of marginalize your, I mean, let, let's just be, be real here, your women because that's what this match was about. Just so that you could show two dudes fight, you could have done this earlier in the show. You could have made it a segment before the break. You could have came back from commercial and had it done. It was all of what five, seven seconds. You decided to do it during a match that you're now deeming unimportant. Well, let's look at the uh, when we went off the air for Raw tonight with them brawling into the arena. You could have done that and been fine without having to do the cutaway of them fighting in the back. Yeah, or that. All right. Um, I know Liz prefers the hurt business, so I'll give her the hurt business question. Tony, I'll ask you this one first. Elias is back. The triple threat match on Raw tonight between AJ Styles, Chef Hardy, and Seth Rollins sees Styles pin Hardy after Elias thwacks Hardy with a guitar, blaming Hardy for hitting him with a car nine months, eight months ago. Holy shit, continuity. Ah! Thoughts on the triple threat, and then Elias' return. The triple threat was just good wrestling. Um, they, they, you know, they did their, they did, they got their shit in, but they also put together a really good match. Of course, they had a couple of the, the uh, usual triple threat things with one man out the ring, two inside, but they didn't do that too much, and um, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. It was one of those matches that I wish didn't have a commercial because it kind of hurt the flow. But I get, you know, they need commercials. So that's fine. Elias returning was a welcomed return. I just, um, I don't know. Why do you have to be so stupid? <laughs> like, and that storyline as a whole was, you know, you know I was not a big fan of. Um, Seamus getting away with man fodder. Charlie announcing that this person could still be at large. Like, okay, so Elias did not do his own research and try to find out, or he's just blindly going to blame Jeff. Um, I mean, I guess if it if it's a feud starter, sure. But all, I just don't want Elias singing a song about Jeff Hardy's demons. Please don't. Oh, that's totally where they're going next week, Tony, and you know it. Liz, same question. Thoughts on the triple threat and your take on Elias' return tonight? So Jeff loved his line in, in the beginning, and he said something he about tag team and I was like oh my god it's going to have to deal with these stupid Mysterios again and so I was like so happy when he came back and it was 
and it was that's that's I was ranting in, in a different in a group and I was like oh, and I was trying to figure out like as nothing else I'd be buddy with the other two right anyway so I was very very pleased when it was just the three of them and it was a good match I mean um can't really say much more about the match than than, than Tony Tony said um, Elias coming back was um, a surprise especially since until like last sometime this weekend he came up in conversation I was like oh um, kind of wish he had a little bit of a revamp um, he's leaned out he's definitely leaner than he was um, I'm just not a fan of the big scruffy beard but that's a personal thing um, but it was good but he kind of hinted at the Seamus thing didn't he because he said something about a ginger um, so I think we might get more to this than just him going after after Jeff because I, I kind of feel like he hinted at it that he knew it was Seamus since he said it about the ginger. Yeah, I think he just hit Hardy tonight to make an impact in his return. I think the eventual long game here is him going after Seamus for being the one that actually attacked him. I mean, that would make a lot of uh, smart and not dumb, so I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> all right, ladies. So Ricochet and Cedric Alexander had a match tonight where if Ricochet lost, he had to join the Hurt Business. Whereas if Ricochet won, then the Hurt Business would have to leave him alone. The referee gets bumped, and MVP tries to slide a chair to Cedric. It's intercepted by Ricochet. As the referee starts to come to, Ricochet pulls the Eddie Guerrero spot, hitting the canvas with the chair tossing the chair to Cedric, although why people catch the chair in that situation, I will never understand. And flopping to the canvas, total faint style. Thus making Ricochet look like the smartest man on the Raw roster. Ultimately, I think this hurts both participants, but I want to get your take on this match first. So, the stipulation stipulation, stipulation made absolutely no sense. If he loses, he has to join them. Like, I don't, I didn't get that. You know, it just, it didn't, it's just like, okay, is that a punishment? Like, what? I didn't, I didn't know. Um, I have, I kind of feel like either one of the two of them is actually going to join um, the hurt, the hurt business. But I'm kind of at a loss where they're going to go with them. I'm so glad Apollo um, went over to SmackDown. I think he did anyway. Um, because I really think he needs to get away from that whole thing and find something that I really like him. I think he has a lot there. But, I mean, the match was, like, you know, kind of silly um, because we've seen these two, you know, go at it, and they've always put on a great match. I do. I like her business. I'm interested to see what they're going to do. I love that color coordination. Um, I think it's the best. There are, actually there aren't too many factions out there right now, so, I mean... Um, the whole thing with their arch enemies retribution being drafted was idiotic. Um, so I don't know. I kind of want to see where they're going to go with them. I hope they don't um, fizzle out. But th- the stipulation made no sense. I kind of assumed Ricochet would join them on their own. His own, maybe he will. But this whole segment just fell flat. You kind of touched on what I was going to touch on, but I'm going to let Tony speak on this first here. Tony, what did you make of the Ricochet-Cedric-Alexander match with the finish? The match was great. Ricochet went in there, 
And I think he was outmatched because Cedric was is now a badass. He's mean and he's angry and he is holding nothing back. And he damn near beat Ricochet's ass. <clears throat> um, which is good. It's great storytelling. It's a great way to, to handle that match. I, I think they did awesome. Um, the idea that A, Ricochet would join the Hurt Business and then what would happen? MVP would be cool with him. Cedric, the whole interaction backstage kind of led you to believe like why would he, even if he did join them, that wouldn't work out. What you want to believe is we've been gunning for you, bro, and we want you on our team. So, yeah, I'll take this match because once you get with us, you'll open your eyes and you'll see what's true. They didn't do that. They went, yeah, you're going to join us for sure, blah, blah, blah. We're going to beat that ass bet. Like, it didn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense at all. And then look at the other side of the token. If I win this match, you don't mess with me anymore. What does that mean? What, what, what does that mean? Is there going to be an invisible barrier surrounding Ricochet everywhere he goes now? Suddenly, if the Hurt yes. just walks down the the hallway and sees him, they're like, oh, you won that match however many months ago. Can't fuck with you. Like, it's just, what? <laughs> no. What I loved about this, aside from the match being really, really good, is that Eddie Guerrero's birthday just passed, and him doing that just, no matter how cheesy it was, no matter how stupid I thought the match stipulation was, ye- Harry, I, I choked up. I, I can't believe that it wasn't intentional. I can't believe that it wasn't a nod to Eddie, just a little quick oh, happy 100%. birthday. And, and it just like, ugh, he still gets me, you know? Like, it just, it's fucking Eddie. <laughs> Not to mention, given that we're coming up on the 15th anniversary, it 100% was on purpose. Okay, so here's here's what I'm thinking about this year, and you're going to have to indulge my fantasy booking here for a little bit, Tony. I know you hate when I do this, but indulge me, because I actually want genuine I mean, yeah, I, I, I kind of I just did a little bit right now, too, so I guess I'll give you some time. <laughs> Theoretically, MVP and the rest of the Hurt Business now stay away from Ricochet, right? Until Ricochet finds himself on the business end of retribution. And then it becomes a situation of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Or is at least my business partner. As after all, it is the hurt business. And I think that's where we see Ricochet end up aligning up with MVP and his crew. Yes, no? Eh, I just think, you know, the the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Just it, It's another one of those things that get done to death on, the, on Raw specifically. We've seen it already multiple times. We saw it in Battle Royals tonight. We just, like, it's just too, too easy. Especially, again, it's all in the conversations that have before, that happen before the big decision. Um, the stipulation on its own, if I lose, I join the Hurt Business, should not have been a punishment to Ricochet. It should have been something he was unaware. That's what I meant by me fantasy booking just a little bit beforehand. The way you handle that is the way they handled Cedric. Like, I want you on my team. You need to come on my team. And then Cedric finally opening his eyes, if you will. So for Ricochet, like, to, to look for help in a place where, since he's so prideful and he's so positive and such a good person, and we've seen it time and time again, it just wouldn't make sense. 
You would come actually, off as cool, I think, because the WWE isn't nuanced. Actually, there is a way to spin that where Ricochet offering to join the Hurt Business as a subservient member would be a applicable situation, and the announcers kind of brought that up during the course of this match. That I don't want a black man playing subservient to anybody. <laughs> okay, maybe a little culturally insensitive in 2020, granted, but the announcers kind of brought up the point as Ricochet is the bad carrier. Ricochet, as once, like, once things start picking up again, Ricochet has to be the one to drive the rental car, what have you. I think that there was a way to go with that story with Ricochet having to work for the Hurt Business instead of with the Hurt Business. But I do think eventually we're going to see a situation where Ricochet ends up working with the Hurt Business against Retribution. Speaking of Retribution, Tony, and this pissed me off. You know, we bagged on this. You bagged on this storyline. I was willing to give it a chance. I'm still willing to give it a chance because I think there's potential here. Not to mention, I'm going to be honest with you, the fact that Mustafa Ali is involved has increased my interest by a multi, by a multiple of reasons. I don't know the exact phrase I'm looking for. You know what I mean. My, my, my reasons for anticipating this storyline are significantly amplified. We'll go with. That said... Where the fuck was Ali tonight? Maybe security finally worked. I hate it sometimes. Liz, where was Ali? Um, that's a big question on social media. It was announced that he would be speaking, um, who knows? I mean, they often have timing issues and all sorts of crap. Maybe something happened. Who knows? It could be any one of things, but it's, it's, I think he should have opened the show and not Randy. That's my personal opinion. Um, 100% agreed. Because, you know, I'm all for Randy and Drew here, but enough with their rambling. I think Randy and Drew needs to be more actionless talking at this point, especially after Drew basically said, if I see you at the building, shit's on. You don't need McIntyre to come out and cut a promo about wanting to beat Randy's ass. Just have him come out and try to beat Randy's ass like he did backstage during a match earlier. You don't need to do that. You don't need a soliloquy from Randy Orton in order to set up a Drew McIntyre attack. What you do need to do is give an opportunity to a guy that you attempted to do something with last week in Mustafa Ali and then completely failed to follow up with on this week's episode of Raw, Tony. Yeah, I, I mean, you know me. I'm not mad about it. I, I don't want retribution around ever. Um, so, yeah, it was just one of those things. But what The unfortunate thing is it shows that they don't deem this as important because outside of some freak injury – or something else, this was most likely a timing issue. And timing issues on Raw usually are like, all right, well, let's bump this segment. Or, oh, we got to get rid of this segment. Or, I mean, shit, maybe they didn't write the script. Maybe they didn't know the story. But the point is, all it leads me to believe is that they don't even know what they want to do here. So <laughs> that's really sad because, yeah, you choose Mustafa, he's going to try to make it work. And um, he's given this golden opportunity um, you know, I said it last week, I feel like this firmly places this uh, stable into the mid-card. 
and I, I stand by that. And obviously tonight, you know, that's just more evidence towards that. Sadly, I have to agree with you at this point because of the fact that you had the opportunity to establish Mustafa Ali tonight by giving him the mic time to explain the actions and put everything together, and you didn't take it. Anything else from tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw that you guys wanted to talk about, Tony? Um, no, I think we covered it. Yeah, we're good. Well, is anything else specific from tonight's episode of Raw you wanted to discuss? So, Kevin's going back to SmackDown. So, are we going to get Sammy and Kevin again? I mean, I wouldn't say no, especially with Sammy with the roles reversed from last time. Now, Sammy being a heel and Kevin being a babyface, I wouldn't say no. But with Alistair going to SmackDown, I don't think Owens and Alistair are done yet. Well, Kevin just posted this text from between him and and Sammy, and it got me. It has like Twitter, like, "Oh my God, we need these two back together." It's pretty funny. You should also check it out. I'll have to check that out once we wrap up here. Which, speaking of which, it is now time for your final reaction. Tony, favorite match or moment this week? You know, it's really great that Liz feels that way about Sammy and Kevin. It shows how well they are. They work together because these guys had probably had a thousand matches together. And I mean, even in WWE, they've had their fair share. So to want to see them again in some capacity is a testament to them and how good they are. Just wanted to mention that. As far as my favorite match or moment, um, I'm going to give it to Kevin Owens and Black, Aleister Black. I mean, we've seen them go before. This just seemed a little different. And of course, Owens with the old school, it's a street fight, so I have to wear jeans. That was just, you know, I love that. That's so cool. <laughs> Liz? My favorite match of moment. Um, I think, you know, that was an excellent match. I think my favorite moment, though, was I know there's a lot of issues with the Alexa and Bracing, but just the timing of when they both hit Sister Abigail, I, I, I really like that. That I just think their timing together was so perfect. I'm going to say that was my favorite moment. I'm going to go to SmackDown, and I'm going to pick the Big E Sheamus match. And I'm going to exclude that bullshit spot with the eggs and flour that we talked about a little bit earlier. But everything outside of that particular spot between those two was solid. Really good ring work, really strong ring work, really stiff ring work, which you needed for a blood feud. And in his first opportunity in a main event kind of program, he definitely proved his worth so far. Looking forward to seeing more from... uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more from... uh, Big E as a singles competitor going forward, even if we disagree with the way that the draft was handled in terms of splitting up the new day. Tony, least favorite match or moment? There's so many to choose from. I'm just going to say the draft as a whole. I just... mm, It just seems so short-sighted. It seemed like it was done just for the pop or for the rating. Um, No rhyme or reason. Now, 
I, I, there's, there's arguments on either side with the idea that every wrestler was eligible and they just announced wrestlers that were like already on their respective shows. Now I get how, if you put everybody in a draft pool, you know, you kind of have to announce that they belong to that show. But since when do they do that? You know, that, that, that you don't in any cinematic universe, in any TV universe, you establish your rules, you stick with them. And you only break them when you're adding intrigue or you're creating a new story or a new character or you just really want to shake things up, but in a in a almost literal way where it's a big deal. This wasn't a big deal. And what makes Stephanie the person? And what happened to SmackDown's robot? And why doesn't USA Network care about these cho- choices anymore? Like, again, you set rules up and then you just broke them. <laughs> like, it, just, it was inconsistent with everything we've seen before for the last several years. It was inconsistent with the most recent draft that you tried to switch up again. And on the same show where you had this happen, you booked matches for the show coming afterwards in which a wrestler shouldn't even be on because technically he was drafted to Raw. And I think that happens twice. Just the draft as a whole. Liz? So, okay, first I have to give a part B to my favorite moments. I always forget we could pick from SmackDown and that's Xavier coming back. Um, and as for my least, I'm going to probably go with well, Stephanie being on it all. Um, but probably the women's um, battle royal because it just I don't know. To me it was a bit of a mess and there was the whole interruption thing. It was to me, it was more of not getting a opponent for Oscar as in, okay, well, here's these women. We better pretend we're doing something with them. And then you had, like, two tag teams in there. And uh, it, was a, it was kind of a mess. I don't want to put this politely. Large Sullivan can fuck off. No one cared that he was gone. No one cares that he's back. Yeah, I for sure did not care that he was gone. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> Tony, show rating for Raw. Um, I, I, I don't know if you recognize it, Harry, but we had a lot of good wrestling tonight. And um, I think that goes a long way. Uh, however, not so far to where I'd say that tonight's episode of Raw was good. Um, I think I gave it a six, and I stand by that. I, I just the draft really dragged it. Down. I wouldn't mind a show that was centered around the draft, kind of like you said earlier, that it didn't really drag the show down because it was so minimal. But like this should be a big deal. This should be the biggest deal. You know, I'm not saying like Devon and Bu- and Bubba Ray looking at each other like they're never going to see each other again. Big deal, but. Then again, why not? You know, like that's what a draft is supposed to imply. So, um, yeah, six, six is high because if it wasn't for the high quality wrestling, this would have been significantly lower. Um, I just want to state, uh, shout out to the 2002 reference, much appreciated. Not yeah, sure how many hard listeners are going to get that, but appreciated all the same. Damn, we are old, guys. <laughs> Please, show rating for tonight's episode of Raw. I didn't think it was so um, awful, and I, I admit I did 
those off, but it's been a very stressful day. Um, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with a seven, because for the most part, I was pretty into it. I'm jealous that you I'm got give those off. Well, I'm up at like 4.30 in the morning. You're lucky I'm on this podcast because I was falling asleep right before I had a dial in. <laughs> we are lucky. I'm old. I'm old. We almost started late, too, because the game was running long. I know. I was like, curse him. <laughs> hey, we're going to get out of here before 1 o'clock. You got your wish. I know. Uh, I'm rated the same rating I gave SmackDown, seven and a half. And like Tony said, a lot of it has to do with in-ring, quant- in-ring content. Quantent. Content. Let's try that in English. Um, both shows had really good matches this week. And from, some, from somebody who always appreciates the in-ring storytelling of the show in terms to backstage and vignettes and all that other kind of stuff there, it was greatly appreciated that the focus was so wrestling heavy on the two shows this week. It's season premiere Friday and Monday, whatever that means, uh, next week here on The Reaction. In addition, it's also the go-home show for, or the go-home raw at least, for the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. On a related note, if the Braves make the World Series, Tony and Liz might be looking for a new host for next week. Uh, who's your MVP for the week, Tony? Not the Braves. <laughs> hey, look at it this uh, way. It's at least one more game that the Bar's going to get if Los Angeles wins any. If the Dodgers win, then we're having the World Series at my bar, and I'm going to rack up some major coinage, sir. So, <laughs> My apologies, but that's not going to happen. Continue. I guess we'll see. Um, so my MVP is, uh, uh, I'm going to say Kevin Owens. He, he just he continues to get the shit that. He gets the shit that's thrown on the wall and try to make it stick, and he's just trying to make it work. And um, although he doesn't always, you know, succeed, the boy tries so hard. <laughs> Liz, um, I feel like that's I feel like that's a tough question because I don't think there was too many to to do it to choose from um, for such. Well, Liz, the answer is the Dodgers. Moment. No, I, I'm not going to the Dodgers. I'm not going to the Braves either. Um, well, in fairness, the Braves are a different well, no, out, of the two, out of the two, I'll go Dodgers. Um, yeah, because the Braves are a division rival for her. She's a Mets fan. No, it doesn't matter. I just, no, sort of. But, I, you know, the Dodgers used to be from New York. Hello. Um, Brooklyn. So, you know, I, I'm going to have to follow Tony because I can't really think of anybody I would give the MVP to but Kevin was showed up a lot and he was Kevin and because I really got a kick out of this tweet um, to end the night I'm a, I think he was the only one that was pretty solid every time he showed up Liz I'm going to try to change your opinion with two words are you ready mm-hmm. Xavier Woods what 
Xavier Woods is my MVP for the week. Oh, Xavier Woods. I couldn't figure out what you said. Uh, the energy that he displayed in his ring work, the quality character work. Um, okay, so we complained about we complained about the uh, the whole separating of the New Day the way that they did it. And Xavier Woods killed that moment. Did you catch what I caught there, Tony? When Stephanie announced that Raw had drafted Kofi Kingston and Big E, or Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the New Day, Xavier is looking at her screaming, you didn't say E's name. Yep, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you didn't say E's name. What about E? What about E? Yeah, solid. Killed that moment. Like the the heartbreak in his eyes once he hears E's name being announced as, the, as staying on SmackDown there. And then, yeah. and then Big, really Big E's inner turmoil of like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Or like, you know, I don't know. They all did really, really well. And then the in-ring work from Xavier on both SmackDown and Raw and the two tag team matches as well was top-notch, and you could tell that he was having the time of his life being back inside of a ring. Yeah, he was. Tony, where can people find you online? Uh, 411mania.com. I am there. I live there. I got a night off now, but still there a lot. Um, now that I'm not doing SmackDown, I'm working on some column ideas. 411's still really big on the what's new now, let's write about that, instead of the weekly columns. And I'm more comfortable with the weekly columns because I could write them whenever. <laughs> so we're trying to find a middle ground. I would tell Ashish that people are going to read your shit anyway, so just let you write what you want. Yeah, that's kind of the route that I'm going to go pretty soon. Greg, that's what Greg told me to do. He said, you underestimate yourself. You're now the biggest name on the site. And that's still kind of hard to, you know, take in, considering how we got there. Rest in peace, Larry. You are missed. Liz, where can people find you online? Uh, Twitter and Instagram is LizzyP224. At H-E-B the Eagle on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, technically. Facebook.com slash Eagle. You can find me on it as Airy Brothers there. In addition, and this is the cool one for me, you guys know what a you guys know what a uh, review mark I am. I found an app in the App Store called Grapple, G-R-A-P-P-L, that allows you to track your ratings for wrestling shows. I was all about that. Remember when I had I that idea? <laughs> Well, this is specifically like star ratings and stuff, Tony. And to be fair, the cast has changed a couple of times this year, so we wouldn't have been able to do a consistent run through. We might be able to try it again in January. Or at least post-mania. Almost. Hi, Mama P. Hope you're feeling better. She says hi. We're glad that you're here. Let her be nice, accurate. Tony. That's pretty accurate, Tony. <laughs> For the co-hostess with the most, Miss Lisa Lisi, 
and that jackass Tony Acero. I'm Harry Broder. You have been listening to The Reaction, a presentation of the Chairshot Radio Network, online at thechairshot.com. You can hear us again next Monday night at 11.30 for the go-home episode of The Reaction going towards Hell in a Cell right here on the Chairshot Radio Network. Send us home, Tony. Deuces, bitches. Rest in peace, Eddie. We miss you. Happy belated birthday. No reason to stretch it out here. Braves won, Dodgers nothing. Final score was 5-1. to one. Go Atlanta. Uh, Bills play tomorrow, so we'll see what kind of mood I'm in this week after that game once they play the Titans. And then next Monday night, it's Bills Chiefs. Jesus, next Monday's going to suck. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next Monday night. Waka waka. With attitude, bitch. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.